Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park The show is brought to you by our generous patrons at patreon.com slash falloutlorecast. Robots Radio presents the Fallout Lorecast. Welcome to the Fallout Lorecast, a place for the Fallout community to come together to explore the boundaries of our knowledge about the world of Fallout. Welcome back to the show, Vault Dwellers and Wastelanders. This is your host, Tom Robots, and I'm very happy to have you here, as always. Um, This episode, we are going to dig a little bit more into some of the main factions of Fallout 2, because there's a lot going on in Fallout 2. We did a kind of a general overview a few weeks back, and we've talked about a number of the vaults and the individual vault episodes, but there are some other things going on in Fallout 2 beyond just the stuff that we've discussed so far. So I wanted to start digging into the different factions, and you could consider these factions or uh, groups of people who live at specific locations, things like that. So this week, we're going to begin with Vault City. Now, if you recall from what is now actually months ago, we talked about Vault 8, and it eventually became Vault City. And I wanted to dig a little bit more into what actually is going on in Vault City, who's who, some of the things that happened over time, stuff like that. So, if you recall, Vault 8 was one of the control vaults, and it was basically designed to just let the people survive. There was no experiment going on and nothing crazy. It housed a few hundred people and it also had two gecks. Now, if you recall, a gek is a Garden of Eden creation kit. It was basically a device with all the things you would need to replant and regrow a Uh, I guess you could say a garden, (laughs) a garden that allowed people to survive. And more specifically, you could call it a terraforming device, something that could change the land and the environment around you in order to fix it so that people after the nukes dropped could have fresh water and plants and things to eat stuff like that. So there were two of those in this vault. And not only were there two gecks, but due to logistical errors, Vault 8 also received shipments of hundreds of water chips 
that were meant for Vault 13. And if you recall, Vault 13 was having problems with their water chip and they didn't have any replacements. And that basically kicked off all the the beginning of the adventures in Fallout 1. So what happened with Vault City? What happened with Vault 8 and with Vault City? Well, Vault 8 received the all-clear only 14 years after the Great War in 2091. And upon that day, the vault doors opened and people were let out. Now, the the all-clear signal wasn't sent by vault Tech or the U.S. government or anybody of any f- official capacity. It was sent by the Enclave. And we know the Enclave believes themselves to be the legitimate government, but their intentions aren't necessarily great for everybody. Now, in the following years, Vault City was built through the hard work and suffering of many people. They used their GEC combined with the power from the fusion generator in the vault itself in order to create fertile grounds, uh, farms, and then also buildings and houses outside of the vault. So it's as if the community itself moved the several hundred people out into the world outside of the vault and created an actual town. Now, there's some really interesting stuff that goes on here. In 2092, this is only one year after the vault doors opened, Richard Moreau, or better known as the master, the mutant behind the super mutant menace to the wasteland in Fallout 1. So... He came from this vault initially and from Vault City. He was a product of this environment, I guess you could say. Now, he was exiled for murder in 2092. And as as always, I'm referencing some different wikis. This comes from fallout.gamepedia.com. It says, the details of the murder are unknown. And judging from the hypocrisy filling Vault City, the entire incident is questionable. In 2101, the overseer retired and a council of citizens was established. The council appointed the first, the initial first citizen, the first first citizen. I guess you could say that. Now, what is a first citizen? A first citizen is basically the new overseer, but because they don't live in a vault anymore, that person is not an overseer. They are like an elected official or think of them as a a leader, a mayor of the town, but somebody who has enough power to banish citizens and things like that. They also only serve for a specific amount of time until a new first citizen is elected. Now it goes on, it says, years after residents of Vault 8 emerged, the shelter was used primarily as a medical center. So the the shelter, meaning like the vault itself, the best available in post-war America. From the beginning, Vault City is one of the most advanced factions in the wasteland, possessing cutting-edge medical technology, allowing it to mass-produce medical supplies and chems, and this includes super stim packs, as well as performing radiation removal and sophisticated surgical procedures, including replacement of lost limbs and organs via cloning and grafting armor plating to one's skeleton kind of like Wolverine. That seems crazy. It is the only place that has information about the combat implant schematics. Vault City quickly became an important part of Big Circle Caravan Trail. Now, Vault City exists for a while, 
in the wasteland. And when we come across Vault City in Fallout 2, it has been a number of years since Vault City was founded. In 2232, Leonard Boyarski was exiled for murder and unauthorized research. The research allegations revolved around some tampering with the pregnancy cycles in the auto dock that apparently put all of Vault 8 in danger, but the details were deleted from the Vault 8 computer. So let's go into the society part and and the, the nature of the governance and what is and isn't allowed in Vault City. So Vault City is a planned community and it is described as a post-nuclear utopia, but utopia is very debatable. Let's just say that. The population of Vault City as of 2241, so this is about a little over 150 years after the bombs dropped, was only 103 citizens. Now, in comparison to somewhere like Reading or New Reno, Reading had hundreds of citizens and New Reno had thousands. And those are other locations in Fallout 2. Now, the city is ruled by the Council of Citizens, as I mentioned earlier, with the senior council member at its head. All decisions about this settlement are taken by the whole council. This council appoints the first citizen who is responsible for policy toward other factions. So they control, sort of like I was talking about earlier, the decisions of the area kind of like a mayor in response to dealing with the outside world and what's going on, uh, who can come in, who can't, what the rules are for trade, those kinds of things. Every council member may grant citizenship. However, only the first citizen can revoke it without any legal consequences. The council rules in a completely authoritarian way, controlling every aspect of life within the city. The regulations are strict and enforced to the full extent of the law. For instance, no drugs, no real alcohol, although artificial imitations are legal. Now, what does that actually mean? Things that taste like alcohol, that don't actually have alcoholic, um, like real amounts of alcohol in them. Prostitution, so no prostitution, gambling, or any other vices are allowed in the inner city. All citizens found breaching any regulations, be it even bad-mouthing the first citizens, so no free speech, are usually swiftly incarcerated and re-educated. Re-educated. Anytime somebody uses a phrase like re-educated in the real world, that usually means very bad things. However, the rule of law is not absolute. Beneath all the rhetoric lurks human nature. Regulations can and are regularly circumvented for various purposes. For example, Troy, the city's main physician, must smuggle jet samples into his lab for antidote development because he can't do it legally, even if it's for the greater good. Lydia, officially an upstanding citizen, is looking for someone who can bring her and her friends in Vault City alcohol. Skeeve sells fake citizenship papers to those looking for entrance. And when the law does get enforced, it happens in a very heavy-handed manner. For example, when Cassidy didn't pay his licensing fees for alcohol for the month, yet continued to sell it on the premises, Sergeant Stark sent in a guard patrol. The patrol broke down the doors and arrested several of Cassidy's customers on top of confiscating the stock. 
and instead of reminding him about payments. The fate of the arrested men is exemplary of Vault City's approach to justice. Joshua, who happened to strike a guard, was sentenced to become a servant. Now, when they say servant, what they actually mean is slave. So, Vault City it mirrors a lot of what happens in the real world when you end up with a society that has good intentions and pushes for legislation against vices, against things that are commonly considered negative or bad, but is then overly strict about it and doesn't account for human nature. The the fact that some people aren't going to be able to follow those rules all of the time. And when you punish something too harshly, then it creates a disconnect between the severity of the crime and the type of punishment. And it very negatively affects morale and the perspective of the individuals in that society of the law itself as being too strict and unfair and has this tendency to snowball where things just become more and more strict. But that usually doesn't keep people from doing bad things. It usually just makes the ramifications of it much worse. So let's talk about slavery because slavery is legal in Vault City. Slaves work for the good of the city, performing menial jobs like cleaning and serving their citizen masters and taking care of the city's abundant plant life. Anyone who doesn't pay for safety in the courtyard or commits a crime against Vault City sooner or later will become a servant. So that is the result. Vault City residents justify their slavery, or as they prefer to call it, servitude, with the fact that they give the servants shelter, food, medical care, and protection in exchange for their work. That seems fair, right? I give you the basic human needs, and you do all the work that we want you to do. Of course, there are people like Thomas More who object to this, calling it hypocrisy since they frown on those who openly call it slavery and are actively doing slavery. Another problem with the Vault City governance is its bloated bureaucracy. For example, to get even the most basic supplies, everyone must complete a large amount of appropriate lists with many copies and wait for them to be processed. As a result, people have waited months for their delivery, which rarely contains the right amount of materials requested. So bloated bureaucracy crazy strict laws and slavery even though most of the laws are built around stamping out vices and things that are generally considered to be wrong seems kind of contradictory to me so let's talk about the citizens the citizens aren't much better as most are extremely bigoted hypocritical and arrogant and this comes directly from the wiki treating outsiders like dirt and leading boring conformist lives content with the state of affairs. So they're educated and they're healthy, but they're extremely dull and bland and they have no concern for the outside at all. And they just are hypocritical and arrogant. They they've got this better than thou kind of attitude. Many do not even venture beyond the protective walls of the city proper content to partake in seminars and activities geared for octogenarians. If you're familiar with the term octogenarian, that means 80-something-year-old person. And this means even the youth are super bland and 
just basically lame. These people just got super lame. Their health is insured by a regimen administered by the head medical doctor. Uh, the head medical doctor in 2241 during the events of the game is Troy. It includes vaccinations, regular physicals, blood tests, balanced diet with proper supplements, and even cloning your spared organs in case of emergencies. So as I mentioned earlier, cloning the ability to fix most medical issues by just creating duplicate parts to replace in your body sounds pretty awesome. Vault City is a planned community, and while pregnancies from sexual intercourse are allowed, none are reported to occur. Now, this is another thing we talked about a little bit during Vault 8 when we expanded out into Vault City a little bit. Uh, The population is replenished during pregnancy cycles during certain years, which is decided by the council. Male citizens donate sperm to the autodoc, and the most favorable matches are chosen by the computer. Then the appropriate female citizen is fertilized by the autodoc based on genetic matches. Apparently, because of this, phone sex is also a big thing, and it goes by the brand Loveline, which is pretty funny because they have the actual real-world show called Loveline that used to be on the air. The policy also allows the city authorities to assign every family member their own rooms in communal houses. So... What this means is that you donate your sperm as a male and as a female, when the council decides that the cycle is its time, then you are inseminated if you are a genetic match for any of the sperm that gets donated as chosen randomly by a computer. So you have no decision about when you become pregnant. You just get chosen and it's, oops, your turn to have a kid. Here you go. Have have a baby. I don't know how I feel about that. That seems like a whole lot of taking away individuals' rights in order for <laughs> making sure that you create the genetically best children. Is that is that worth it? Does it matter if you have genetically good children if those children don't actually have the rights to ch- make their own decisions and to choose what they want to actually do with their lives? That doesn't seem like a good trade-off. So let's talk about the economy a little bit. The economy of Vault City is based on exporting medical supplies and technology to the communities of Northern California. I almost said Carolina. Uh, Helped by the Vault City's location along the Big Circle Caravan Trail. Farming and Brahmin husbandry takes place in Vault City's courtyard, but this isn't enough to satisfy their demands. Their primary trading partner is the city of Redding. So let's talk about citizenship because in general there's only one way to become a citizen of vault city and that is to be born into it that's it personal intervention by a member of the council can grant a non-citizen citizenship though this is never done lightly in addition non-citizens can take a citizenship test which is intentionally designed to be so difficult as to be virtually impossible by someone not of extraordinary intelligence, perception, and luck. So hard is the test that the majority of born citizens would fail it were they to take it. Now, I also feel like that's probably true about Americans in general. Like, most Americans who are born American, if they were to actually take an American citizenship test without studying ahead of time, would probably not pass it. That's just my guess. Uh, 
Some of the subjects covered by this uh, test include advanced mathematics, spatial relations, deductive reasoning, language comprehension, and a thorough physical exam is also included. So I have a feeling, especially with the physical exam, if they find anything at all physically, I don't know, conflicting with their perfect ideal population that they just tell you you're not included. So as mentioned before, Vault City has a very certain kind of, I don't know, relationship with the outside world. Mostly they ignore it, but there is some trading that happens. They tend to be apathetic towards outsiders and for the most part, consider them to be thieves. And it says here in the wiki, black guards. But if an outsider is able to pay for rent, they can live in the courtyard protected by its walls and laser turrets. But uh, there's no real access to other city services, even in the courtyard, um, like the medical lab or any of that kind of stuff. Denizens of the courtyard typically feel squeezed between the desolate horror of the wastes outside and the suffocating presence and repression of Vault City. Now, the wiki goes into some more stuff. At least this specific wiki article talks about the relations between Vault City and the NCR, the New California Republic, um, other towns and cities like Gecko and Redding and New Reno. Uh, but I'm going to leave this here. I'm not going to go into all of those yet because I have a feeling that we can dive into each of those individual locations and kind of gets deeper into those. But you can have a general sense of the way Vault City responds to most of these places. They're generally looked down upon. They might trade with them out of necessity, but for the most part, they keep out, they keep to themselves. So here's my question to you guys. What would you do if you were living in a society like Vault City? I'm not going to ask you if you would choose to live in that society because I have a sense that you probably wouldn't. Most of you, I would, I would guess, would side with personal freedoms over extreme safety and boring lives. I don't know about that. Like, cause that really seems to be the mix here is would you rather be set up in a world in a, in a, not a world, but like that. I mean, that is, this is their world, their, their community where you have all the medical stuff you need. You have slaves to take care of everything for you. And nothing exciting basically ever happens. You are stuck in a society where you can't drink. There are lots of things that are illegal. The results of doing anything illegal will mean that you'll probably become a slave or will be exiled. So most of the time, things are really, really boring. You you don't even have the ability to control if you're going to have children or have a family. What creates meaning in your life when these types of decisions are no longer up to you? It's that balance between safety and freedom. And with certain amounts of freedom comes giving up a certain amount of safety. You can't have both at the same time. You can't both fully be safe and free at the same time. 
They are mutually exclusive. This is a big issue when it comes to government and law and those kinds of things. Because, for example, in the United States, we, many of us, pride ourselves on our freedoms. Things that have been happening in our country for a long time now are bringing about debate about gun laws, the freedom to have weapons and guns. But that same freedom might encroach on the safety of ourselves and other people. But that same freedom may help provide some safety for ourselves, or at least the feeling of safety for ourselves, but in some ways doesn't necessarily make us safer. Or does it? This is one of those interesting dilemmas, safety versus freedom. Hello there, old chap. Good to see another of General Atomic's finest still eager to serve. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Why don't we ask the newcomer? You support the news? Hey, friends. Thanks again for tuning in. I'm again your host, Tom of Robots, and I'm so happy to have you guys here every week. Now, we have some interesting announcements. Don't don't skip over this section just yet. I know some of you guys just like the intro part, and you're like, ah, I don't need to hear about the patrons and, and the reviews. I already like the show. So real quick, let me get to some other details here. So first of all, this is going to be the first episode where everybody will get access to the entire episode, including the choose your own adventure at the end. I will do a recap at the end of the episode detailing what has happened so far. And the only change is that, well, everyone gets access to it, but the patrons can still decide what happens next. So I wanted to create this balance, uh, talking about balance in this episode, freedom, safety. I wanted to create this balance between how much people are rewarded, but I didn't really want to not include everybody on certain things. So I'm changing that up a little bit. So listen all the way through to the end or skip this part and go to the end. Um, Right after the end credits is the choose your own adventure part of the show where you can learn about our protagonist, you and your decisions and what's going on in the world and the tragedy that has befallen this poor synth individual, which is interesting. So hang out for that. Also, um, you guys are aware of the changes to the Patreon. So anybody who signs up at a tier four level or upgrades to a tier four level or higher can join me at the end of the month, last Monday of the month, on a 
call where you guys get to guest on the show, just like last week's episode. So we'll have another one of those coming up in the next few weeks. So if you are interested in being part of August's call, go to patreon.com slash falloutlorecast and check out the different tiers there and see if there's, see if you'd like to sub at a tier four or up. If you don't want to pay that much. I totally get it. Totally, totally get it. Uh, if you're interested in only paying a little bit, there are definitely other rewards and things that you can get. And even at $1 a month, you can still get the, uh, ad free version of the show and a bunch of other stuff like getting into the discord chat for patrons only, which people are constantly to all the patrons are so awesome. You guys are always in there chatting about stuff. It's so cool. Um, so yeah, check out that stuff. And now I'm going to get into this other stuff. Thank you. We have we have like three more tier one patrons over just the last week. Uh, so one dollar patrons, three more of you guys, plus a new tier four patron, Amelia R. Welcome. Thank you so much. I'm excited to have you on the show at the end of the month. This is going to be awesome. And then also Chris up upgraded from a tier three to a tier four, which means that Chris will also be on the show at the end of the month. So we're going to have a nice full group of people talking about some really cool stuff. So I'm looking forward to that. Thank you for your support. Also, I've taken some advice from some of the patrons and updated the, um, what do they call? They're not the tiers. They're the goals, the, like the stretch goals. And I'm thinking next week I might go into some of the messages you guys sent me for our $100 stretch goal. We are quickly coming up on $200 a month. We're at 164 right now. So a few more patrons and we will hit $200 a month, which means I am going to give away prizes. I'm going to give away basically a prize pack every time we hit another $100 tier. So this prize pack will include things like t-shirts, stickers, maybe something crazy on top of that. Um, and I'll pick a winner at winner, winner, a winner at random. And for every tier that you are in it, you get that number of entries. So a tier one patron will get one entry, a tier three patron will get three entries. So you have more of a chance to win if you're a higher tier, but everybody still has a chance to win. So I figured that was kind of a fair way to do it. And who knows, maybe by the end of the month, we'll hit 200 and we can pick a winner and I can mail out some really cool shirts and stickers and things like that. If you want to see the kinds of stuff that we have on the store, that's the kinds of stuff that I can produce and send to you guys. So you can check that out at the store link on robotsradio.net. Also, we have one more review that I'm going to read out this week. Another five-star review from LP Styles who writes, great podcast. I recently got Fallout 76 after a couple of years of playing Fallout 4. And this podcast is great for a community of Fallout and even entertaining content despite already knowing quite a bit about Fallout lore. I always learn something new. So thanks for the great podcast, Tom. Uh, robots with zeros in brackets or parentheses and a thumbs up. Man, all, all the fun little things at the end there. So thank you, LP Styles, for that. I really do appreciate that review. And if you have something to say about the show and want to leave a five-star review, I will call it out and read your words at the end of a future episode. If you have any questions or concerns or recommendations, constructive criticism, anything like that, send it, please send it to me at falloutlorecast at gmail.com or on Twitter at falloutlorecast. 
those would be the best places to get a hold of me to tell me that kind of stuff. And I would appreciate if you give me a shot at knowing what you think should be fixed or changed so I can actually continue to make the show better. Uh, rather than you leaving poor reviews and saying, well, I just don't like this part of it. So I'd, I'd love to hear what you have to say. And I'm constantly trying to make this the best show it possibly can be. So I really do appreciate any feedback you guys give me. And I believe that that's it for this episode this week. So next week, we'll be getting back to a specific vault. And in the coming weeks, I have a feeling we'll dig a little bit more into some of the different stuff going on in Fallout 2 with the different locations and people and some of that stuff. So stay tuned for all of that. And also hang out for after this uh, exit music, outro, whatever you want to call it, because we will have the choose your own adventure for this week. Talk to you guys later. Thanks for listening to the Fallout Lorecast. All sounds and music are owned by Bethesda Softworks, and no copyright infringement is intended. If you have something you'd like to contribute to the show, please contact us at falloutlorecast at gmail.com or follow us and post some messages to us on Twitter, at falloutlorecast. And if you'd like to support the show, tell a friend, or check out the rewards you can get for becoming a patron at patreon.com slash falloutlorecast. I really appreciate you listening, and I'd love to hear from you soon. So here's the recap of everything that's happened so far. Your character is a synth, but they don't know it. Now, ironically, you were being persecuted by the community that you came from in the Commonwealth. And the community was suspicious that, strangely, not you, but that your wife was a synth and basically ran her out of town. And you decided to leave to go after her. You were able to track her to a small burnt out hotel room where you found a note hidden in the hotel room along with the body of a courser. And according to what happened in that situation, she somehow killed this courser who was coming after her for some strange reason with a pipe pistol and stuffed him in the closet. And she took off, and there was a beacon with a signal so that you could follow it. But what was odd is that you noticed when you started tracking the signal on your Pip-Boy that it was headed in a different direction than the direction she, she stated she was going. So you headed off in this new direction, following the signal, and came across a building with broken out windows and a man rummaging through the piping of this building and you spoke with him briefly to find out that he was from a nearby vault a vault that was having problem with things breaking down including the pipes and that he had now traveled this far away from his vault in order to find piping that they can use and just as you were having this conversation with this guy who seemed to be no threat at all he looks over your shoulder and notices a death claw about 50 yards away. And the two of you hide immediately. And the death claw in the last episode or two walks past the building, doesn't notice you, 
defecates next to the building <laughs> and leaves. And you notice on your Pip-Boy that the signal for your wife is now right by you. Somehow, the Deathclaw had eaten the device. And you pull out the device and see that it was in the (laughs) remains that the Deathclaw left on the ground. And... You tell the man that this is not your wife. You're not going to believe it and that you are going to break the transponder because if she sets up a signal somewhere else, then you will be able to follow that signal. So you break it in your hands and you ask him if there's anywhere else nearby that she could have gone to because maybe the death claw ate the transponder or ate something else that had the transponder. So any number of things could have happened. And the man replies that there is a burnt out village nearby, kind of on the outskirts of the vault he came from, which you were not familiar with. There's his vault. And then there's a tower in the distance, a radio tower. But that would be a great place to go look for other supplies for him. But he hasn't been up that way because of the cantankerous robots, as he put it, that are in the way. And he also noted that he doesn't have any weapons. He's got these pipes, but that's about it. And you look at him and you go, wait, you don't have any weapons on you at all. They send you out of a vault to loot buildings out in the wasteland without any way of protecting yourself. Well, I'm not completely defenseless. I mean, well, I got this right here. And he reaches in his pocket and pulls out a revolver, a really tiny snub nosed pistol. Well, it doesn't look much like that big newfangled laser gun thingy that you have right there. When you look at the the rifle that you took off the body of the courser. And you think to yourself, that's odd also. Why did my wife not take the courser's weapon? What's going on with that? And you look at him and you say, well, you got, you got bullets for that? And he says, well, yeah, I got got some bullets. I don't know how well it's going to take down a robot, but with your big laser pistol, we should be all right. And you say, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to head to the radio station. We're going to head to the tower. And I don't care what robots are in the way. I'm taking them all out. You can take whatever supplies you want. You come with me. Hey, who, who knows? Maybe we'll even find some other weapons that are better than that little pistol of yours. And when I get up to that radio tower, we're going to view the whole area and we're going to see if we can't pick up any other signals, anything else going on. He says, all right, sounds good to me because, you know, I, I had a better chance of getting over to that tower than with you and that crazy laser gun you got. Plus, I'm sure I could find all sorts of other goodies that we could use back at the vault. So you head off into the distance. And by this point, the sun is getting low in the sky. And you notice behind you the gathering of clouds. It looks like a radiation storm is brewing. And on the left side of the road that you've been following, there's what appears to be a broken down old red rocket. You think to yourself, we should probably take shelter before the storm hits us and it gets dark 
and you slowly approach the Red Rocket building when you can hear the clanking of feet pacing inside the building. Metallic clanking. What do you do next? Log on to patreon.com slash falloutlorecast and if you are a patron, respond to this post and tell me what you would do next. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. <laughs> 